0: Jesus, where's Clem, is Clem in here, it's Clem, for the service Clem said, um, so you uh, preaching an abbreviated sermon tonight, and I said, oh no, 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 I've been waiting 13 years to preach this message, you just settle in, that barbecue's going to wait for you, that barbecue going to wait for you, if you see Clem get up, you'll know where he's going, you know where he's going. Oh. Hey, we can't go any further than just by saying uh, thank you to Pastor Chris Ball, President of Elam Fellowship. <laughs> believing in us, supporting us, standing with us, encouraging us, giving us wise... Council and last night just reminding us to not lose our appetite for the more of God. Just as we gathered our leaders together at a leaders gala and uh, just came and shared with us out of Isaiah and uh, it was good, Pastor. It was good. So thank you for being with us. We, we honored some, some uh, people last night at our gala people that were part of the church, either the plant team or they uh, were here during that first year and are still part of the all-church leadership team uh, tonight. If you got one of the uh, Founders Builders Award, could you just stand just so we can say thank you? If you got one of these awards last night, just stand where you are. Come on, can you say thank you to them? So So good. So good. So good. And we saved one, and, and, we, and we wanted to give it tonight because we wanted to give this one here in front of everyone, and this is for Pastor Tom and Pastor Gail Wells. We're going to invite them to come forward. Vanessa's going to come. Pastor Chris is going to come. Can you grab that mic? The verse that's inscribed on here is 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 11, where this is the Apostle Paul just talking about being careful about the foundation that we lay, because others are going to come and build behind us, and none of this would be possible if it had not been for their vision, right? for their sacrifice, sending some of their best, financing this almost 14 years ago, so thank you for being a builder of foundations here. And we've asked Pastor Chris is going to come. We just want to pray a prayer of blessing over their lives tonight. Can you just join me? You can stretch out your hand where you are. Amen. Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you for this wonderful couple, Lord. We thank you that the inheritance of your kingdom will be rested upon them at that day of This is just a new If you see them tonight, make sure you hug their neck and tell them thank you for all of their faith, for all of their work. So good. So you know we love our participation moments here at City Life, so we couldn't get both of our campuses together and not open this message with one. So what, what are the things that you do when you're getting ready for people to come to your house? What, what are the things that you do to get your house ready for guests? You raise your hand, I'll point to you. Hide the junk. junk. Clean the bathroom. bathroom. Yeah, somebody else, what do you do? I'm gonna work my way up and then down. Music playlist. playlist. Yeah, spoken from a true musician right there. Light candles. Yes. Smell good. Yes, smell good in the house. Laundry. Laundry. Hide it or do it? (laughs) Yeah, hide it. Hide it. We know. Panic. Panic panic, call Emily, yeah. yeah, wipe down countertops, vacuum everywhere, vacuum everywhere. come on, make the, make the coffee, all right, now, I know, what, what are the jobs your parents give you when parents are coming over, set up the living room, set up the living room. clean the house, clean the, house. <laughs> clean the bathroom, the clean the toilet, <laughs> wow, that's rough, brother, come on. Let him go first in line when it comes to the dinner time. Everything. Everything. (laughs) Wash the dishes. Also wash the dishes. More dishes. Anybody over here? Take a a nap. (laughs) While Jeremy's cleaning the bathroom, you're taking a rest. Well done. Take a shower. Take a shower. Thank you, Avery, for taking (laughs) a (laughs) shower. Clean the house, clean yourself. Clean the house, clean yourself. Did you know... That right now, Jesus is getting ready for you. He's getting ready for you. John 14, 1 through 3. Oh, I love these verses. Listen to what he says. He says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home doing the dishes, cleaning the bathrooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? For you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Now you think about times where you've been working to get your house ready for company. How long does it take you to get ready? And the answer to that is depends on who the company is and what's the occasion right so if it's your buddy and you're there just coming over to watch the game you're you're not doing anything but if it's christmas and you're one of five siblings and it only gets to your house every 5 years and it's your turn oh it's weeks You're spending more money on Christmas decorations than you ever thought was humanly possible. Oh, you're working. It took the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit six days to make this world to get it ready for us. Six days. He's been doing what he's doing right now for over 2,000 years. For over 2,000, and if he doesn't come back, then that means it's not ready because he's still working to make it just right for you and I. I love that Jesus, before he was a rabbi, he was a carpenter because he's a builder. He's an artist. He's a creator. And he's getting what the Bible calls a new heaven and a new earth ready for you And he's getting it ready for me, and he wants it to be just right, and he's not coming back until it's done, because he loves us that much. And I believe, as we're going to see tonight, that he's given us one task and one responsibility, no matter who we are, no matter what our individual assignment is based on our spiritual gifts and our callings and our life experiences we've all been given one task together one responsibility and it's been shared for every generation from the moment he ascended into heaven 2,000 years ago and that was to bring as many people with us when we come as we can to bring as many people with us as we can May it be for each of you that on that first day when we're all in heaven together that we're going to be standing there in a crowd that cannot be, it cannot be numbered. The Bible says that every tribe, every nation, every tongue, we're going to be gathered. It's going to, that's probably why it's taken 2,000 years. He's got to build something big enough to hold all of us. Right? Through the centuries. Can you just believe and hope That as you're standing in that crowd looking around, somebody's going to see you, and they're going to call out your name, and they're going to say, I'm here because of you. I'm here because of you. And then you're going to start looking around, and you're going to see people. I'm going to see my dad who's been there for four years. I can't wait to find him. I'm here because of you, because of your example, because of your prayers, because of your hope, because you didn't give up on me when I deserved it. I'm here Because of you. Some of the people that are in this room, you're going to be there because of them. And some of you who came in here tonight and you're not even sure if you're going to get to heaven, oh, come on, by the end of the night, you're going to be certain. And it's going to be because of something that happened to you in this room. So we're launching a sermon series tonight. We're going to be doing this series through mid-October. Pastor Justin and I are working to put this series together at both campuses called Why Do Be. And this sermon series, we believe, is what God is speaking to us as a church as we move forward for how we're supposed to bring as many people with us as we can it's based on three statements that Jesus makes. Now, I want to introduce you to these three statements, and then we're going to spend some time together talking about how they work together, and then at the end, you're going to see how it's going to bring people with us into paradise. Luke 19.10. Somebody say, why? Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. Now, just about every theologian out there agrees on this. We don't agree on everything, but we agree on this one. If you're looking for a verse that speaks to why Jesus came, you can find it right here. He came to seek and to save the lost. It speaks to why he came. Lost is a simple idea. You're either on your way to heaven or you're not. And everybody who's not, the Bible says, is lost and they're wandering around in this life, and Jesus came to point them in the right direction, to say, Follow me. And you and I have been given the task and the responsibility to do the same. I love that there's nothing about Jesus that said, I hope they figure it out. They're out there because of their own choices. There's nothing about Jesus that says, If they want me, they can find me. Oh, no, no. He's a searcher. He's a seeker. He left all of heaven to come to this world to find us and all of us who have made a vow of devotion to Christ, who know in our heart that we're on the road to heaven one day to be in that place of paradise with him, that he's getting ready for us. It's because at some point in our journey and in our life when we didn't deserve it, when we didn't know where we were going, he came and he found us. And he revealed himself to us, and he captured our heart. He searches and he seeks for the lost of this world. To seek and to save the lost, that's our why. Somebody say do. Matthew 16, 18. Now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. This speaks to what we are to do. The seek and to save the law speaks to why he came. I will build my church speaks to what we are to do. It's important here that Jesus says that the powers of hell will not conquer it. But that's only if we build it the way he intends it. Now we believe that the devil is the defeated enemy. We believe that. But it does not mean that he's not powerful. The Bible is very clear Paul makes extra effort to make sure that we understand that he is defeated, but yet he is a threat. He says that he's a lion roaming about, seeking whom he may devour. Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers on high. We still have to wrestle. We still have to fight. We still have to resist. We've got to bring forth some effort to the fight. But Jesus says, if you build this thing called the church like I intend it to be built, you're going to have to fight, but it will not prevail against you. Why do somebody say be? This speaks to who we are to become. John 13, 35. For your love for one another will prove to the world. Oh yeah, you just can't say it. you got to demonstrate it. For your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Think of all the themes of Christianity. Think of all the words that we find in Scripture that speak to what it means to be a devoted follower of Christ. And Jesus, he picks this one out and he says, this is the one that will prove to the world that you're one of mine. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. In the Greek, it's Agape. Now I believe that Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit here, is not separating out the individual virtue of love, which is an individual virtue. He's not setting it apart above all the rest. He's using it to speak to every virtue there is. I believe that when he says it's the greatest thing, he's not just talking about love. He's talking about the kind of love that's God's love because God's love is complete and perfect and God's love is all of the virtue that we teach. There's 24 of them here. If you're visiting here, this is free to you, you get one. The list of 24 virtues that we teach is the embodiment of the character of Christ and I believe that when he says you're gonna be known by your love, he's not just talking about love, he's saying you're gonna be known to be mine because my character is in you. He's saying, listen to what this, be Jesus to one another and be Jesus for one another. What he's saying is, the world is going to know that you're mine because you're people of virtue, because my character is being formed in you. Why do be? Seek and save the lost, build my church, love for one another. This gives us our sermon series because it is the new mission statement that we launched back in August when we launched our new website. If you haven't been there, you should because it's awesome. Thank you, Pastor Chris, for all the love about our website last night because we're proud of it. You check it out. And we kind of rolled it out subtly on the site because we just wanted to let you marinate in it for a month because we knew we were going to be preaching about it tonight. These three statements are not three disconnected ideas. They're not parallel teachings that coexist. They are, in fact, I believe Jesus' blueprint for how we together are supposed to bring as many people with us to heaven as possible. To build the church Jesus envisioned to love the world he died to save. To build the church that Jesus envisioned, to love the world he died to save. Mission statements are important because they set your course. Now, I remember being a young driver a long time ago, and one of the most intimidating things to me was how on earth was I going to remember how to get to all the places that I was going to have to go to. I remember being a little boy sitting in the back of the car, riding around. I grew up outside of Richmond, and we, we grew up in the country, so we'd have to drive you know, 30, 40 minutes back then to go anywhere. And I remember being in the car. I remember thinking to myself, my parents are genius. They're ge- We've not, we'd They go all to, how do they know where to go? Yeah, there was no iPhone back then. There was no GPS. None of that. Oh, and if you're going on a long trip, you had to get something called a map that was made of paper. And if you were a family of means, which we were not, you belonged to AAA, and you would just call the phone number, and you'd tell them where you want to go, and they would mail a map to you in the mail. You guys don't even know what that is either. And you would get it, and you would open it up, and you know when you open that map, you know what would be on there? Oh, a highlighted line. That was the first GPS. You would follow the highlight line on the map. And it wasn't digitized. It's because some person opened the map and took a marker. They just had a stack of maps all day, every day. Sent them to the mail. And you would follow that line. So we've been doing college visits recently. This past Monday, we went to Virginia Tech Took Derek, and I woke up that morning early. We were all excited, and, and, uh, and I woke up laughing because I had the craziest dream. I woke up, and, and in my dream, Derek and I were in the car. Vanessa was driving, and we both fell asleep, which is pretty common. And we woke up like 13 hours later. And I woke up in the car, in the van, Nissan Quest and a little blurry-eyed and I'm looking around and all of a sudden I realized we were in Illinois <laughs> and I looked at Vanessa and I said what are what are we doing in Illinois and she looked at me and said I was just following the blue line on the phone it's just following the blue line and I was thinking to myself I have really bad control issues as a husband <laughs> but I still let her drive anyways and we made it there okay But for many of us, this is our story. Listen to me. And for too many churches, that's their reality. Tonight's about us saying we're not going to wake up one day and realize that we ended up far away from where Jesus intended us to be. We're not going to wake up one day and realize that we ended up far away from where Jesus intended us to be. So let me read this mission statement in a different way that makes it personal. And I'm going to read it a little bit differently than how it's on the screen, and then I'm going to come back to how you see it on the screen. When I become who I am supposed to be, I accomplish what I was created to do so that I can ultimately fulfill why he came. Now that's true. I believe that with all my heart. If I become who I'm supposed to be, I'm going to accomplish all that I was created to do so that I can ultimately fulfill why he came. But when that I becomes a we, oh, something different happens. See, when we become who we are supposed to be, we accomplish what we were created to do so we can ultimately fulfill why he came. By ourselves, we're going to bring some people with us, but together, we can bring the masses. Unless the I becomes a we, we will not become something that Jesus can say about the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We will not prevail against it by ourselves. But when we come together in covenant community, something the Bible calls the local church, when I becomes we, oh, we've begun to build something that Jesus says the devil himself cannot overcome. John 14, 4 through 12. Now, we've already read one through three. That's where Jesus says, I'm going. I'm getting something ready for you, and I'm going to come back. This is the conversation continued. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't, Lord Thomas says. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If we've been around church for a long time, we're familiar with these verses. Listen to what he says. If you had really known me, you would have known my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus replied, what's wrong with you? Right? Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me and the words that I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does the work through me? Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe, listen to what he says, here it comes, because of the work that you have seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. His why has got to become my why. His why has to become our why. My reason, this is Jesus, this is what he's saying here. My reason for coming has to become your reason for living. My reason for coming has got to become your reason for living Now we've got a a lot of reasons to live that are important to us and we're not saying all of those go away. There's a whole lot about this human experience that we celebrate and we enjoy but the one that is above all the rest has got to be the same why that Jesus had to seek and to save the lost. See, when you look at John 14 and Matthew 16 together, something happens. See, because He doesn't just want us to reach some, he wants us to reach the masses. In fact, he says here in John 14, you're going to see it and do it even greater than I did. And then in Matthew 16, he says, and the powers of hell will not prevail against it. And I'm telling you the only way that we will see greater things and the only way we will be something that the powers of hell will not prevail against is if his why becomes our why and the I becomes a we. We've got to do it together. So when Jesus says to seek and to save the lost, I don't know about you, but one of my very next questions is how? How? And Jesus answers that by saying, build my church. See, now that we've shown you what each of these three are, let me show you how they connect together, I believe, through the story of Scripture. When Jesus says, seek and save the lost, we say how? He says, build my church. Acts 1 4 through 5, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised that I told you before. John baptized with water, but just in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he says to them, you wait. Now jumping down to verse 11, men of Galilee, these are the angels. Jesus has ascended to heaven. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday, right, John 14, he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. Why? Because Jesus had already told them, you wait. Now during his ascension, we also know from the Gospel of Matthew that he said to them, you go into all the world. But they didn't go right away. They waited because Jesus said go, but before you go, you wait for something. And then we're given the list of the names of the disciples who were there, minus Judas, obviously, because he's dead. Listen to verse 14. They all met together. oh, And were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and several other women, women, the brothers of Jesus. And during this time, it was about 120 believers were together in one place. It started with over 500 at the Mount of Ascension. We've preached on this before, and now that 500 has narrowed down to 120 because there's a difference between being a fan and being a disciple. Oh, there were a lot of fans at the Mount of Ascension. But in just 10 days, it had narrowed to 120. Listen to this. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives will always be personally transformative, but it will not be effectually missional unless we are in community with one another. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives will always be personally transformative, but it will not be effectually missional Unless we are in community with one another. Now, I'm Pentecostal to my core, in my theology, in my belief, in my worship expression, in my practice. And I've grown up on these texts and these teachings, and we've grown this church on it. That one of the primary reasons why Jesus said, don't go and fulfill the Great Commission until the Holy Spirit comes, because we needed to go in power. But it wasn't just about the Holy Spirit filling the eye. It was about the Holy Spirit creating the we. He postponed the Great Commission because the church had to form. And it took just 10 days. Why? Because those people lived together in a covenant and experienced a community. And that they had formed the church was built. The, the, the true, all the signs that we see, see today, First Church, they could only put it really here. The first church of Jerusalem was born on this day, on this day, and Jesus said, now we can get to work. Now we can get to work. The church was birthed, and then the Holy Spirit came. It's not just about the I, it's about the we. When Jesus says to seek and to save the lost, we say how? He says, build my church. And when he says, build my church, we say how? When he says, have love for one another. Look at Acts 2, 42 to 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. There's a lot of ands in this, these verses. And deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had because they weren't eyes anymore, they were we's. They sold their property and their possessions you get frustrated when churches take up an offering you got it easy <laughs> they shared the money with those in need they worshiped together at the temple every day and we just ask you to come to church once a week every day tell you you got it easy they met in people's homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know what we see in this list right here? We see 12 pathways that we teach at this church, which many people call spiritual disciplines. 10 of our 12 are listed specifically in here. The only two that are not listed specifically are fasting and rest. But if you continue to read the few more chapters... You know that those two were just as much a part of the early church as all the rest. You know why this list is in here for us? Because this is the Holy Spirit inspiring Luke as he's writing about the Acts of the Apostles. That's why it's called Acts. Because he wants us to understand what it looks like to build a church. Is that you give yourself to the disciplines, the pathways that birth in you the character of Christ. The way Jesus always intended for his church to be built was by building himself in people as they gathered together in covenant community called the local church. And when he says, have love for one another, and we say, how will that ensure that the lost are sought and saved? How do we know that as we give ourselves to this work of the character of Christ being formed of us, if that's what it means to build the church, how on earth do we know that that's what's going to cause people to come to Christ by the masses? I think Jesus looks at us and he says, you remember what I said in John 12, 32. And when I am high and lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. When I am high and lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. If you keep reading in this part of John, the next verse says that this was written to signify how Jesus was going to die. But if you continue to read the rest of the Gospel of John, we know that it wasn't just to signify how he was going to die. It was to signify what was going to happen after he died. That because he died, because he gave his life for my wrongdoing and for your wrongdoing, then we can have something that the Bible calls forgiveness, which enables us, many of us who look back onto our story and feel shame because of the life that we've lived, we can lay our head down with a clear conscience because we've been forgiven, which means that my relationship with God can be restored, which means that the Holy Spirit doesn't just live in the world It can live in me and lives in you. And when the Holy Spirit lives in us, the Holy Spirit is gonna do what the Holy Spirit does and what he does is he forms in us the character of Christ. The picture of the Holy Spirit hovering over the dark in creation in Genesis 1 isn't just a picture of the universe. It's a picture of the depravity of humanity because that's what he does in us. He hovers over the dark places of who we are, and he begins to form, and he begins to create, and light comes where there was only darkness. And all of a sudden, we become different people. We become different people. Because he changes us from the inside out. And we begin to look a lot more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. And when we begin to look more like Christ today than yesterday, not just as an I, but as a we, with a goal of reaching the lost, the Bible says that Jesus is high and lifted up and that he will draw all men to himself. I would suggest to you that the greatest impact of evangelism that we are ever going to see in this world is by letting Jesus have his perfect work in your heart. And as your life changes, and it changes in the person next to you, we become something that Jesus called the church. And he said that the powers of hell will not prevail against it. Now I got to this part in my sermon Yesterday afternoon, and it was time for me to go home and get all spruced up and try to look fancy for the leadership gala, because we're t-shirt and jeans people around here. <laughs> and I was walking out my office, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, there's just one more part that I need you to write. And I sat down, and I started typing on my computer, and this is what came out. Could, could, it, could it be? Could it be? that when Jesus said that we would see greater things, that maybe he was talking about something different than what we've thought all this time. Could it be that Jesus, when he said that, he was saying, if you think walking on water and raising the dead and turning water into wine is going to inspire people to follow me, you just wait for centuries, for millennia, when the world can see millions of people all around the world who are already following me. Forgive others when human nature says, take revenge. Could it be that Jesus was saying, You're going to see greater things? That he was saying, If you think opening blind eyes and opening deaf ears and causing the mute to speak is going to inspire people to follow me, you just wait until they see millions of people around the world who are already following me, loving their enemies. When human nature says it's okay to despise and disrespect, especially during presidential campaigns. Oh yeah, come on, I'm stepping on your toes. Could it be that Jesus was saying, if you think that calming the seas and causing the lame to walk and feeding the thousands with a few fish and a few pieces of bread would inspire people to follow me, you just wait until they see millions of people around the world who are already following me taking more joy and reckless generosity when human nature says, take as much as you can for yourself. Could it, could it be, now we believe in the miraculous and we pray for it and we see it, but could it be that the greater things are not going to come from the supernatural that happens in our natural world, but from the supernatural that takes place in transforming the human heart? Could it be that all along Jesus has been trying to tell us that the greatest miracle of all is the character of Christ forming in us in spite of our deplorable human nature you see when we become who we are supposed to be we accomplish what we were created to do and we ultimately fulfill why he came Now, if you've been a part of us for a amount of time, you might be saying, well, Fred, where does this leave this important part of our message of heaven now, heaven forever? What about what we talk about as our moment, your family from the first hello? What about these three words that you gave us not too long ago about encounter and embrace and engage? Oh, and my answer to you is you better keep showing up for this series because we're going to talk about how all that fits in here. Pastor Justin's going to be preaching about it in Suffolk. I'm going to be preaching about it here, and then we're going to swap one week. Because God's given us a mission. Because he's getting something ready for us. So he says to us, the City Life Church, here in September of 2019, he says to you and I, you build the church that I envisioned to love the world that I died to save. If you call City Life Church your home, I'm asking you tonight, let's reach this region together for Jesus. Let's take as many people with us as we can. Come on. Let's take as many people with us as we can. And if you call City Life your your church home, I'm asking you something else. Oh yeah. Jesus is getting busy making something ready for us. We've been given this incredible building and it's time for us to sacrifice and sweat to get this place ready for the lost who have yet to come. we got to follow his example in all kinds of ways. This is an incredible gift that's been given to us, but there's some work that needs to be done. And we're going to do this work. We're going to give and we're going to sacrifice both our resources and our time not to make it more comfortable for us. Oh, no, because that's not why Jesus is making paradise ready. He didn't say, I'm going to build something for myself. And maybe if you're lucky, I'll come back and let you visit. He says, no, 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 I'm getting it ready for you. So when it comes time for the projects that we're going to have to do, when it comes time for the work days that are going to come, they're going to fill our years ahead, we're not doing it for ourselves. We're not doing it to make it pretty for us to look at. We're not doing it to make it comfortable. We're doing it for the lost who have yet to walk into these doors, to inspire them to believe that if they're lost, that there's a better way. Pastor Justin already alluded to it, but it was in the total worship service in the spring. God spoke to me so clear: Three Eleven Selden Road is going to be a place where God and people meet. It's going to be a place where God and people meet. I'm Gonna invite the band to work their way back up. None of this would be po- none of this would be possible if it had not been for the sacrifice of a group of people in the 1950s who came together to form a church called North Riverside Baptist Church. None of this, this night would not be possible, this message would not be possible, this this moment would not be possible, and everything that's gonna come in our future, all the people that we're gonna take with us to heaven when we go would not be possible here for us as a church if it had not been for them. You see, it's called Legacy Weekend because we're being entrusted with something that's sacred. We're being entrusted with this property, these five acres, this 40,000 square foot facility. There is a legacy that is being given to us and it's our turn to sacrifice. It's our turn to be faithful. It's our turn to carry the weight of the burden. They carried it, God bless them, for as long as they could until it was our turn to step in and take it from them. And now we're gonna run this race. And you know what, one day, we're gonna pass it on to somebody else whether it's different generations that come behind us, or if one day city life runs its course, then if we've done a good job, if we've done a good job, they're going to know when it's time to pass it on. So that legacy can continue from generation to generation to generation. And we're saying our prayer is God, find us faithful. Find us faithful. And breaking new ground isn't about the soil beneath our feet. We don't need to break the soil and dedicate this property to God because they already did it. The soil that we want to see broken is the soil of people's hearts. So the seed of the gospel of Christ can go forth. And people in the heavens are going to look around and they're going to say, I'm here. I'm here because of you. Stand with me as we worship together.